This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are going to Genesis chapter number 15. One of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible because it's God connecting to us uh, through the life of Jesus and the descendant of Jesus being Abraham. Such a wonderful story. And I want you to, uh, to, to understand that dreaming big is a choice. Let's say that together. Dreaming big is a choice. It's a choice you have to make. It's a choice I have to make. God's not forcing you to dream big. But he can't do big things if you're not willing to step out and dream big. And by the way, Abraham's a perfect picture of dreaming big doesn't have to be self-centered. Be focused on others. And uh, right after we finish the message today, you're going to learn about some of the things you can do for others. Uh, Delivering some uh, care packages to those who are just moving in uh, to our area and uh, praying for others. Tonight we're going to have a time of prayer for our nation. It's important to pray. Regardless of the outcome on Tuesday, we need to be men and women of prayer. And we're studying our fifth lesson uh, in this study on the most powerful and important things the Bible talks about. Number five on the lesson chart is prayer. So we're studying everything about prayer tonight. And I think it'll be a help and an encouragement to you. Genesis chapter 15 Verse number one, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord. Everyone say, the word of the Lord. Every time you see the word of the Lord, that means God is telling who is recording this, happens to be Moses, that this is something specifically that was said to a specific person. So God is speaking to Abraham here. The word of the Lord came to Abram. He will later be called Abraham. We'll talk about that uh, in two weeks. In a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, because God is a big God, he requires big faith. Last week, we talked about the fact that faith-filled dreams are dreams that call on a big God. But big faith requires big grace. We have to have grace-fueled dreams because you can write as many big plans as you want. And if God is not enabling those plans, you won't get very far. I remember looking back over my plans when we were starting 2020. Man, I wrote some big ones. (laughs) I had some big plans, and God said, there's going to be some other plans that you might not have planned on. And so when there are disappointments in life, oftentimes we can say, well, 2021, I'm not going to write any goals. I'm not going to write any plans because they're all going to change anyway. We don't write goals to, to just because they might not, we don't, you know, X off our our goals because they might change. We actually want to write goals not because we know that's what's going to happen, but because we believe that God can do the impossible. So in 2020, it's important for us to understand that that dreaming big is a part of God's plan uh, for our heart and for our life. And uh, we have uh, lots to be thankful for. How many of you have something uh, that you could thank God for? Raise your hand. Uh, God has something in store for all of us, and he wants us to know that his grace is sufficient regardless of what comes our way. Now, I want you to see something 
at the very first part of this, there are three words. What are the first part of what are the first three words in verse one of chapter 15? After these things. Let's say that together. After these things. In Hebrew, it's akar ilah debar. It's 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 this really cool phrase. Uh, it's on your screen there. It literally means after Abraham was finished with the things that were keeping him busy, he kind of was able to sit down and reflect. If you ever had someone over, there was something that was really kind of taking a lot of energy, and then you stopped that, and then you're like, ah, man, now what? This is Abraham's now what moment. And so it's after these things, sometimes later, after these events, then God said, I am your shield. I, I am the reason not to fear, and I am your exceeding great reward. Now, what are these things? Well, flip over to chapter 13, because chapter 13 gives us the first event, and I'm going to put it on the screen as well. Chapter 13 and verse number 8 says this. Abraham said it a lot, there will, there, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. We're, we're, we're kin. We're, we're family. We shouldn't be fighting. In verse 9, he says, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart from the right, then I will go to the left. Right? So he's like, listen, this is not something to fight over. What were they fighting over? They were fighting over land. They were fighting over property. And he's like, listen, our relationship means more to me than whatever we're fighting over here. Verse number 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plains of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before they, the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's giving us kind of a, a hint of what's to come. He didn't make the right choice. Verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and uh, journeyed east and separated themselves one from the other. Now, this was a new land that they, they both had to get out of their comfort zone in order to remain uh, a healthy relationship. And by the way, all of our relationships require us to kind of get out of our comfort zone and give another grace. It was nice of Abraham to say, I'm not going to hold the line. I'm actually going to give you grace. And by the way, God has often called us in our relationships to live in an uncomfortable place in order to bring peace. God wants us to bring peace into our relationships by saying, hey, this is uncomfortable for me to, to broach this subject, to approach this topic, but we need to talk about it. By the way, I think it's important two days from an election to talk about the fact that the donkeys and elephants are still at each other's throats and that our partisanship should never risk our relationship. You may have totally different views than the person next to you, but you still need to give them grace. We're still called to give grace. So Abraham's relationship with Lot was worth more than all the things that their servants were fighting over. And so it's important for us to understand that when we give grace, God can work. When we choose not to give grace to those around us, God chooses not to work. You cannot be wrong with the person next to you and right with God. And I'm so thankful that God gives us the story about giving grace, because we're going to talk about grace today. But then I also think it's interesting that God gives us the story about how Abraham gives grace. And then in the very next chapter, look at, now turn over to chapter 14, because in verse 14, it shows us that I believe Abraham was really thankful that he had given grace to Lot. Why? Because now Lot is a fugitive, or he, he's, a, he's a POW. He's, he's taken into a war camp. He's captured as a prisoner of war. 
And now Lot is, is needing his, his uncle's help. And so in verse 14, it says, when Abraham heard that his brother, really his nephew, but his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318. That's a big group of, of servants, but it wasn't nearly as big as the army that he was about to go, uh, you know, try to conquer to get his family back. They pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them, and he and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto uh, Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. I love that verse. Like, all the goods. What were those goods, man? It just sounds good, right? He brought back all the goods and also brought his brother Lot. He's like, yeah, all the goods. And oh, yeah, he'd throw in your brother Lot uh, and, and his goods and women and, and all the people, right? So, so God's saying, hey, listen, Abraham gave grace. And he was glad he did because Lot and Abraham would have a closer relationship now that this grace had been given. So from chapter 13 and chapter 14, we learn what these things are. After these things, it was a, a one story right after the other about giving grace. So in your notes, I've given you three lessons from chapter 13. Well, from chapter 13 and 14, that hasn't happened the last few weeks, so um, about giving grace. Uh, first of all, in chapter 13, we learn that grace gives space to others to grow. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but everyone needs grace to grow. Everyone needs space to grow. Not everyone in this room is growing at the same pace, and that's okay. Not everyone might agree with everything that's said, and that's okay. Not everyone is where you are spiritually, good or bad. And so this is not, the Christian life is not a race uh, to keep pace with those around you. The Christian life is a race to look like Jesus. And so we need to give space for others to grow. And then in verse 14, we, we, we see through the life of Abraham that grace loves and helps those who wander. And by the way, Lot had wandered. He had gone to the well-watered plains of Jordan. And Abraham loved him enough to come and to help him while he was wandering. Abraham could have easily said, Lot, he can take care of himself. Lot, you got yourself into this. You get yourself out. That's not what he did. He gave grace enough to help one that was wandering. And then finally, grace uh, gives strength for unexpected battles. Now look up here. Every one of us will have unexpected battles. It's not a matter of if, it's actually a matter of when. And maybe you're facing right now some unexpected battles. We've had some people recently who've had some unexpected uh, health challenges. We've had some people with, with cancer. We've had some people recently uh, who've had some unexpected battles with, uh, with people at work. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, these unexpected battles will come. And it's a matter of will we pick up our, 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 our proverbial sword and start going to battle on our own? Or will we say, God, I really need your grace. So after these things implies the fact that there had been some challenges, some unexpected challenges that had come into Abraham's life. But it also uh, implies the fact that it was a few years later. So we know that Abraham went into Canaan around 75. He was 75 years old. Now this is probably five or 10 years later. He's like 85 years old. And Abraham is now asking God in this passage, hey God, how much later is later? Have you ever asked God that? 
How much later is later, God? Like, seriously, how much do I have to wait? And by the way, waiting is a theme of Abraham's life. Waiting is something that God constantly was telling Abraham to do. I just want you to wait a little longer. I just want you to, to know I'm going to give you this, but it's going to be a little bit later. Let's see some of these from the, uh, from the life of Abraham. God uh, kept telling Abraham later, you'll know a specific location to, lay, uh, to live it, just a little bit later. You'll, you'll know when to stop trying to have a son just a little later. I'll tell you later, Abraham. Uh, you'll know the sacrifice that will be provided on the Mount Moriah just a little bit later. You'll know and feel blessed, Abraham, but it'll be later. God kept kind of pushing him later. And I just felt impressed to, to, to tell you that oftentimes it is the later that blocks us from our God-given dreams. Sometimes the, the things that are late or lacking really block us from seeing what God can still do. Oftentimes our obsession of what could have been blocks us from seeing what still can be. And so in verse number one it says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. The word vision here is a really spectacular word. It's used a lot in the Old Testament. In fact, I think we have a verse where it's used. It's used in Habakkuk 2.2. And Habakkuk 2.2 says, the, word, uh, the, the Lord answered and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on, upon tables that he may run that readeth it. There are lots of different passages that mention vision. But here's the word vision. It's, it's the word uh, makazeth. It's, it's from the word kazath, which means to see, to have a vivid ability to see. But it means to envision something that has not yet happened. So God's asking Abraham, hey, I want you to envision something that's not yet happened, but that needs to happen. By the way, taking steps without a God-given vision is just taking steps in a random direction. And God, God's calling us to take steps based on his vision for our life, not our own. So there's two aspects to a grace-fueled dream or to having grace-fueled dreams. And I want to show you these today. This is part one. We're going to talk about how to access and how to really live out this grace in a practical way. I'm going to give you kind of a takeaway right at the end, something to do to prepare for part two next week. Uh, but there are two aspects to grace-fueled dreams. First, the first aspect is that doubt and fear are the steps toward grace-fueled dreams. You say, that sounds counterintuitive. That, that almost sounds like it's not right. But I want you to know that when you feel doubt and when you feel fear kind of coming over you, that is an invitation for God's grace to invade and God's grace to come over. And in your weakness, you can be made strong. And so the first thing Abraham sa God says to Abraham is fear not. You've heard me say this before, but I, it's worth repeating that the law of first mentions is incredibly important in the Bible. When you're studying the Bible and God mentions something for the very first time, it's important to kind of take note of that, circle. In fact, if, if you mark in your Bible or if you mark in your notes, I would underline the next thing God says to Abraham because he says what? Fear not. Let's say that together. Fear not. Now, God would show up to man all throughout the rest of the Bible. In fact, Jesus would show up, and he would give lots of miracles. And what was the number one thing Jesus would say when he would do a miracle is fear not. Don't be afraid. And the number one thing that an angel says when he shows up to man as a messenger is fear not. And so this is the first mention of that. It's the Hebrew word uh, yari. It means to be frightened to the point of distress, to be intimidated or terrified by, by something that's thought to be terrible, or if you're Charles Barkley, parable. 
okay? To have a deep concern for unfavorable circumstances or to be gripped by anxiety. So this is, this is what Abraham was feeling. God sensed that Abraham was feeling this. God knew that Abraham was feeling this. By the way, God knows your fears. You know that? God knows your anxieties. God knows what gets you gripped with, with, with doubt and, and, and distress. And sometimes it is our past that shouts so loudly that we can't hear the, the, the voice of God calling us toward our God-given future. And that's why we're doing this series. Because I believe that some of us have just given up on our dreams because of something that's happened in our past. Because of something that's going on in our present. We don't see God's plan for our lives, God's dream for our lives. Our fears cloud our vision of what God wants to do. You know, it's interesting that researchers are starting to catch up with the Bible on this. Man, I love it when the, the research of, you know, of, of the finest in America starts to catch up with the Bible said 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. And a perfect example of this is there was a study done a few years ago that, that, that was a long study. It, was a, it, was a, it took millions of dollars, and they did a ton of study on fear. It was done at the, at the University of Wisconsin, and they, they started to research what fears actually materialized, what fears were real and what fears weren't. And they started to, to, to study people with anxiety. And the researchers at the University of Wisconsin decided we want to be able to put a percentage on the number of what fears are actually real. And you know what they came up with? They came up with the fact that 50% of the fears that we actually have never materialize. Meaning we were afraid of something that actually did not possess a threat to us. And, and, and I thought that was interesting because the Bible is constantly saying, hey, don't be afraid of this. This seems scary, but, but I want to put this in perspective. And so you say, well, what was Abraham afraid of? Well, 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 here's one of the things that was really bothering him. He just kind of comes out and says it. He kind of comes out and just says what he's afraid of. He comes out and says the doubts that he's having. Here he is. He's 85. Abraham says in verse number two. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? He said, God, I'm lacking something, and you know what I'm lacking. Seeing I go childless. The steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. God, is your plan for me to have a servant? Is that, is that the only plan? Is he my son? Is that what you meant? Because that's all I see. Verse 3 continues. Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So he's like, God, uh, this certainly is what it looks like. And it doesn't look like you're being good on your promises. Have you ever doubted God? Abraham did. Have you ever had fear that really just kind of gripped you like, man, God's not going to come through for me, and if he doesn't, I'm in trouble? Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place where, where Abraham was, where you just felt like, man, I, I just, I, I'm doubting the dream that God's given me. I'm doubting his word. I want to encourage you that those fears and those doubts are where God wants to engage his grace in your life. And so here's, here's a, 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 a point that I, I want you to kind of underline it. I believe it's in your notes. You do not come to strong faith without doubt and fear. You always come to strong faith through your doubts and through your fears. It is when we engage our fears and our doubts with the truth. 
It is when we don't hide our doubts and we don't hide our fears. The moment Abraham pulled his doubts and fears into the light and told them to God, he could engage them with who he was and what he had promised. And one day we will look back and we will see a mosaic of grace uh, through all of our tragedies and through all of our brokenness and through all of our problems and all of our mess we call life. We will be able to bring God glory because of his grace. And so Abraham was coming and saying, God, I'm afraid and God, I'm worried and God, you're not showing up. And God said, listen, you don't have to worry because not of, because of who you are, but because of who I am. And so God reintroduces himself to Abraham mid-sentence. Now, what if I was having a conversation with you and you know, we've known each other for a while and I just literally mid-sentence say, hi, my name is Peter. <laughs> it would just be a little weird. It would be a little awkward. Well, when God reintroduces himself in the Bible, it's actually called a autocharygma. It's, it's a reintroduction of God. It's a reassertment of God. It's, it's him saying, hey, I am reinserting myself into this so you do not forget who I am and so you do not forget who, to whom you're talking. And so he's reintroducing himself. Now, I have had some awkward moments, uh, maybe even with some of you. When you have sunglasses on and you're wearing a mask, okay, it's really hard to see who, who is that under that mask and sunglasses. And uh, I said in the first service, it, ladies, if you change your hair color and put on sunglasses and a mask, I'm going to introduce myself to you every single time, okay? It's impossible uh, to know who someone is. But oftentimes, uh, we don't recognize who God is because we place adjectives and descriptions of him that do not reflect who he is. David uh, in the Psalms talked about a God who was loving even when David knew that, that his circumstances didn't feel loving. Abraham was engaging God with this situation that didn't seem good and understood from God in verse number seven. Look at verse number seven. The Lord said, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the land of Ur the Chaldees to give this land to inherit it. He said, Abraham, the land you're standing on, the dirt you're standing on, I'm going to give to you if you'll trust me, if you'll come. It's this moment where he was taking, uh, proverbially and, and, and metaphorically, he was taking Abraham's uh, face in his hands and saying, Abraham, you got to trust me with this one. I'll never forget uh, last week I was talking about the, one of the surgeries that Chandler had, and, and uh, but I'll never forget talking to the surgeon uh, that was about to do the surgery that, that Chandler was going to have on his lung, and we were talking to him, and I remember asking him the question, if this was your son, would you do this surgery? Remember him looking back at me and, and, and saying, sir, I've done thousands of these surgeries, and I want you to know that my son has had this surgery. This surgery is necessary to help your son. See, it's different when someone says, not just I know that this is good, but this is something that I have done in my life. This is something that I want you to know. And, and when we understand who God is and we understand what he wants to do and that it's good for us, it may not feel good in the moment, but, but it's good for us. We can look up to him. And when we look up to him, we are looking away from our fears. We are looking away from our doubts. We are acknowledging them, but we are more acknowledging who he is in the moment. 
And so here's a key thought. I want you to put a star next to this and just remember this throughout this week. It is always our uplook that determines our outlook. You cannot change your outlook on life unless you're looking up to the God who can change you from the inside out. You do not change things from the outside in. You change things from the inside out. And so I would encourage all of you as an action item uh, to write down your doubts. Write down your deepest fears. And right next to them, write down scripture of who God is and what he has promised and who he says he is to you. And so it is at the moment that you have the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and the the angst that God wants to enable you to have strength beyond your own abilities. And so those are the steps. Doubt and fear are often the steps toward God's grace because in your weakness, he is made strong. But then number two, we see that trust is the doorway. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the key. Okay, we're going to talk about the key to open the doorway to God-sized dreams. But, but, but today I want to talk about the steps and just, just getting to the doorway. And the doorway is trust. Trust is the doorway to grace-fueled dreams. The Lord says unto Abraham, I am thy shield. Don't, don't fear. I am your shield, and I am your seeding great reward. And we'll talk about the exceeding great reward next week in part two. But I want to talk about the fact that he said, I am Thy shield. Now, I had never understood the context of this. But when Abraham was coming to God, or God was coming to Abraham, regardless, they're having this conversation. It is right after Abraham has gone and attacked with a rather small army the people who were who he was relying on, and I didn't know this, but the people who he was relying on, that if he ever got attacked, he would ask for their partnership. Abraham had just poked the bear of one of the largest armies in that region. And he did it to get his, his you know, relatives back. But now, who's he going to call? Now, he has all these armies, five of them to be exact, who could at any moment come down and attack him. There was certainly an retaliation that was, that was you know, feared. So God's saying, hey, I know you're worried about the attacks that might come. I know you're worried about those things on the outside, but let me just tell you, I'm your shield. The word shield here uh, is, is the Hebrew word uh, meginah. It, it's, it's from the, the, the word uh, genan, which means to cover or surround, to defend and protect. God says, I'm your protection. I'm the one that's going to fight these battles for you. I'm the one that promised to keep you in this land. I'm the one that promised to protect you. I am your shield. And instead of seeing our fears as a potential for failure, We need to see our fears as a potential for greater faith. And so when we walk into the doorway of grace, it is by faith. And so all of us have to come to to grips with the fact that God is saying, hey, are you feeling resistance? Are you feeling like like some people around you aren't for you? Listen, I'm for you. Are, are you feeling like you're your own worst enemy? Are, are you feeling like, man, everything's kind of falling apart? I just want you to know that I've chosen to give grace to those who know they need it, to give strength to those with weakness. And God did not choose Abraham because he was qualified. He chose Abraham because he was perfectly unqualified. And we've showed that the last two weeks. Abraham was one of the least qualified people for God to show up. 
But God showed up because everyone would know that it was God. So God does not, here's a key thought, God does not qualify, call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Now when I say that, some of you might think, well, what do you mean? What do you mean he, he qualifies the called? I don't understand that. I would never call a plumber and say, are you the least qualified plumber in the Antelope Valley? You would never, you would never say, you know, oh, 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 you've been doing it for 20 years. No, I'm looking at someone who's, who's been doing it for five minutes. I'll call you back, you know, if I need you. Why? It, it short circuits are finite human brains because the moment that God calls, his calling comes with an enabling, and that enabling is called grace. So the moment we receive the call, the moment Abraham believed God and it was counted in him for righteousness, verse 6, which we'll look at next week, the moment he received the call, he received the power, which is the grace of God, in order to fulfill that call. So he that calleth you will also do it, Philippians 1.6 says, if we trust God enough to believe him that he says this is what he wants to do in our lives, we have to trust him that no matter what opposition comes our way, he's going to take care of us as well. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And so Abraham trusts God. And the first reason to trust was the enemies. His own fears and doubts and the things that were kind of battling him, but also the people around us. And then finally, the, the, the last thing, uh, that, that was his reason to trust was his emptiness. Now, I have often thought about how, how the, the word for barren, uh, Sarah was barren, is the word for emptiness. I've often thought about the fact that that was a, a, a picture in the Bible of, of, of something not being fulfilled. But I want to have a real moment with all of you right now in this service and and I want you just to kind of lean into the emptiness that you felt or that you feel. Because all of us have emptiness. All of us have moments of unfulfillment. And all of us in that moment have a choice. Are we going to fill ourselves with our own resources? Or are we going to fill ourselves with God's enabling grace? That's the choice we have. And it's a choice to trust. Look at verse number four. So this is how God engages his fears and his doubts. Look at verse number four. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God says, listen, you may think that this is an alternate plan, but I don't have an alternate plan. My plan's still the same. It's still just as impossible, but my grace is sufficient. And, and you might think that something is too far gone, that, that God cannot reach, that you can't put down a God-sized dream because just God's not big enough and God's saying, listen, this is who I am. This is still what I'm doing. I am here. I'm engaging it. And if you'll believe me, I will, I will fill you up and, and I will leave you fuller than you would be if you tried a thousand times to fill yourself with the things around you. Because what God can do in you is greater than what you can do in yourself. I remember a few years ago, um, we, 
Joe and I were, were, were working on some stuff for new life. And I remember we needed a truck to move some things. I, I can't remember everything we were moving, but I asked a guy, hey, can we borrow your box truck? And it was a, it was a pretty long 40-footer. I mean, it, it could really move some stuff. And I thought this would be good. It has a, it has a lift. And, and I thought, well, you know what? We'll go over to West Palmdale, and then I'll, I'll return it to him in Lancaster. And I said, hey, hey, does it have gas? Yeah, it has gas. The gas gauge is broken, but, but it has gas. And you, you know where this story is going. Ellen 10th Street West. We, we pull up to the stoplight. It's running. I go to push the gas to go through the intersection, and it just dies. Now, the irony of this is Ellen 10th Street West. This is me looking out my window at the, at the, uh, uh, the tow truck that I had called. And, and, uh, but Ellen 10th Street West, it's a pretty busy intersection. There were cars kind of honking and going, you know, you love L.A. County drivers, you know. They don't care if you ran out of gas. They don't care if you're having a bad day. If you're in their way, they're going to honk, you know. It's just like that's how it is. And I'm looking out the window on one side, and I'm, and I'm seeing the Costco gas station, all the people getting gas. I'm like, well, it must be nice, you know. And I'm looking behind me, and there's all these cars backed up all the way to the freeway. And I'm like, man, I'm just, they're, they're frustrated. I'm frustrated. And, Finally, the tow truck got, driver got there, and Jose was frustrated. And I, he had been called out of a movie, and he tried to get his refund. He couldn't. He was just frustrated. I was frustrated. Joe was frustrated. The drivers were frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. And so he stepped out, and he, you know, he, he, he takes out his boots and his overalls, and he pulls them up, and he's like, so you need gas? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, these, you can't just fill these up with gas. you got to pump the lines. So I'm going to have to tow you, and then we'll have to pump the lines. And he was just, you could just tell he was just not into it. Wanted to be in the movie with his family. And I felt bad, and I was apologizing. And, and I'm like, God, why is this happening? I mean, come on. The guy said there was gas, and there's not. And it's just a frustrating experience. And so finally, it was just kind of like, well, you know, invite him to church. And I was like, in that moment, I didn't want to invite anyone to anywhere. I was just like, let's get out of this situation. But finally, God was kind of impressing my heart. Like, hey, talk to this guy. And I started talking to Jose. And I've kept in touch with Jose, but, but Jose was in a moment. He, he said I could share the story. He was in a moment where he was really empty. He was really unfulfilled. He was hopeless. And and Jose started to share with me some of what was going on in his life. And it was apparent to me that God had, had placed me in a vehicle that was empty in order to pour into a man who was empty and, and to fill him with hope and with grace. And when I started to have this conversation, we, we started to talk the whole way uh, to the place where we dropped off the truck. And after the truck, he stayed a little bit longer. And we started to talk about who God was and, and what God could do in his life. And I realized that God had put me in a, in a frustrating experience, a, a frustrating circumstance uh, in order to bring me to someone who was empty, in order to pour out into someone who needed God's grace. And I don't know what frustrating experience you're having, but I know this, that God in that moment of emptiness wants you to pour out into someone else. You say that seems totally uh, counterintuitive. It seems totally backwards. When I feel empty, I need to fill up. And the reality is God's grace comes through in a great way when you decide to live for others, when you decide to pour pour out into others, and Abraham decided it wasn't all about him, that God was going to start doing things through him, and Abraham started to live his life with God pouring out into others and pouring out, and you'll see this, that, that Abraham uh, will, will live a life of trust in God because God was revealing to him that in your most empty moment, 
God will pour into you just enough for your next step. And so here's the takeaway, and we're finished. That God's grace gives us a reason to dream. It is God's grace that gives us a reason to dream. The power of God. I mean, why write down your dreams if you don't have the grace of God? Why write down any aspirations, anything that you're asking God to do? Why take a step of faith if, you didn't, if you're not relying on his grace? If you're not relying on his power, right? So God's get, grace gives us a reason to dream, and it is the only way our dreams can become a reality. And I promise you something. I want you to hear me. That if next week, when we, when we talk about how Abraham was engaged with the grace of God, when we talk about this, I think you'll start to see that, that every time we try to do things in our own resources, and every time I try to do something on my own, I will be left frustrated and with less than when I first started. But when I start living a life of grace according to God's word, and when I start living his vision for my life, even when it feels uncomfortable, and even when it feels like, man, I just don't have anything left to give, once we come to a moment of hopelessness, once we come to a moment of emptiness, and we acknowledge our fears, our doubts, we engage God's grace. His grace can make our dreams, the dreams God's given us, a reality. And so here's, here's, the, here's the ask. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I don't always do this, but I really would, would encourage you to do this. I think you'll be the beneficiary of it. I would take 10 or 15 minutes this week, and I would read Genesis, and here's the action. I would read Genesis 9 through 18. There's going to be parts of it that you're not going to understand. We're going to talk about it in church next week. But every time that Abraham was able to do something, I want you to notate that. I want you to underline it or write it down. Hey, this is what God allowed Abraham to do. This was his way of, of trusting God. And then every time that God did something without Abraham, I want you to write next to that, grace. Because God did something in the life of Abraham in, in chapter 15 that I believe is, is, is a picture of Jesus Christ. I also believe it's one of the greatest moments of grace that we will ever see in the Bible. So next week, part two, we're going to talk about how God's favor, God's grace, is the key to unlocking the doorway to our God-sized dreams. But first, we need to step back and say, are we living in our own resources, or are we ready to step out by faith and live according to God's grace? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.